The Mothership Podcast is sponsored by Hawaii Surrogacy Center. Start your family with Hawaii's leading surrogacy agency. Welcome to another episode of Mothership. This is Brooke, Noli, and Steph. This week, we are so, so blessed and excited to have a guest with us who I personally know and I'm just in awe for all the time. But this week, our guest is Dr. Diane Paloma. She is a Chief Executive Officer for the King Lunalilo Trust and Home. Lunalilo Home offers residential care, adult daycare, home meal delivery and respite care for kupuna or elders, and that's elders in Hawaiian, as directed by the legacy of King William Charles Lunalino, the sixth reigning monarch of Hawaii. She is the former director of the Queen's Health Systems, and she was the first female director, also um, for the Native Hawaiian Health Program. Prior to Queen, she spent time at the John A. Burns School of Medicine as a faculty member and worked also for HMSA and its subsidiaries, um, and also started her career working for a private physician. She, I also should note here that this November, she has been named and will be starting off to lead. Um, she will be the first Native Hawaiian female to lead the Hawaii Dental Services Organization, or HDS, in Hawaii, which is a big organization and big deal. She is an alumni of Kamehameha Schools, UCLA, and also University of Hawaii at Manoa. Uh, let's see, it's a long list here. She volunteers her time as a board member for various organizations in Hawaii, um, all very important, community-based, and recently was appointed by the governor to serve as the University of Hawaii Board of Regent. And she is an accomplished hula dancer, which she can explain a little bit more in detail. And most importantly, she is a wife to Jason. So what's up, Jason? Shout out. And um, a mommy to three beautiful girls, Tatum, who's a senior at Kaiser High School, Noemi, who is an eighth grader at Neo Valley Middle School, and Bryn, who is a fifth grader at Aina Haina Elementary. With that long, awesome <laughs> bio, yeah. please help me welcome Diane, you guys. Yay, Diane! It's, oh, thank you, you so much. Yeah. yeah, it's so hard to listen to that in a in a way that like how, like how do I exude <laughs> humbleness after you after you read that, bro? Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's like, is that really me? I don't know. I, I don't That's know. the amazing part. Is, yeah, I I to all of our listeners, I have like all of the info printed right here, and it's like. Five pages long of like all of your accomplishments. So you are very accomplished at such a young age. If you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Yeah. Sure, I'm 47 and I'm about Ooh. to turn 48. So I just, you know, like we're at that um, age group where you're actually closer to 50. So you, know, you round up now and like <laughs> 50 or 40. Let's not do that. Let's round yeah. down. Yeah, that's uh, okay. For, right, because forty-seven yeah. is new thirty-seven, so really right. I'm thirty-seven. Right. right. Well, with your Gosh. with your background, you should be like eighty-six with all the things you've accomplished. So we gotta get oh into your story I... here, Diane. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, the one thing that stands out is you know, like the first um, director of the Queen's uh, Health Systems mm -hmm. Native Hawaiian Program. Um, that stands out to me. I'm not sure for Book and Noli, but I wanted to ask you, Diane, what are you most proud of amongst all of your accomplishments? Oh, God. What am I the most proud of out of all of that? Um, you know, I, I think career-wise, it's been like one long thread of being able to kind of marry healthcare with this passion for Native Hawaiian culture and all that it brings here in Hawaii uh, and, and to the world, right? Like, there's, there's nowhere else that, um, you know, when you guess, when I first saw the mothership, right? I was like, oh my gosh, like 
Hawaii is the core mother island of our culture. Mm. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm also part Japanese. You can go to Japan. I'm also part Chinese. You can go to China. And those are the motherlands of those ethnicities, mm. but nowhere else, right? You can't go anywhere else um, but Hawaii to recognize that. So I'd say that the accomplishment is being able to kind of blend the passion with a career and have that commonality throughout all the things that I've done. Um, and I will, I'll, I'll just share this, this interesting, I don't know if it's so interesting, it's a story about how I first entered into like the healthcare realm. So uh, went away to UCLA, uh, you know, I was there, I'm gonna date myself, but I was there for the Rodney King riots, the Northridge earthquake, the Malibu floods, just disaster after disaster after disaster. So I actually came home two weeks after graduation. I knew I wanted to come back home. Um, I knew I wanted to make a living for myself in Hawaii without the burden of, you know, like getting into an established lifestyle on the mainland and then having a really hard time coming home because I had friends in that, in that mix. Um, and what I will share is that I didn't get into medical school immediately after undergrad. And so I had this conversation with my parents. I, you know, it was, it was kind of like almost this mihi and this ho'oponopono, right? So like, like this asking for forgiveness to my mom and dad, like, I'm so sorry, I've, I'm failing, right? Like I didn't get into med school. Like that was my path since I was like 10. And now like, I don't know, like I failed you guys. Like you put all these eggs in the, your basket for me. And really the, the most profound outcome came out of that conversation with my parents. So I'll tell you, my, my mom is Chinese Hawaiian, my dad is Japanese, like Samurai Japanese. Like, if you're not at the dinner table at six <laughs> o'clock when dinner is served, we don't eat until the next day, kind of Samurai, right? <laughs> so I was like, you know, like fearful of telling my dad that I didn't get into med school and that I, you know, shame upon the family. And, you know, all these thoughts are going to my head. and. He actually just looked down at me and said, because uh, he's six two, right? So like, like someone I Japanese. He goes, you know what? Actually, I should be the one apologizing to you, Diane, because I think we place so much expectation on you to become a doctor. We never really even asked if that's what you wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And you know, like for a seven, you know, twenty something year old graduate of a major college, I'm just paralyzed and speechless. But it actually gave me and kind of allowed me this freedom to shape whatever it was that I did want to do rather than feeling that I had to be a physician, I had to be the smart oldest sister, I had to have all these like expectations placed and that that's, that's what actually gave me the freedom to do whatever I wanted, right, in a sense. So I knew that I, want, I wanted to stay in healthcare. I knew that, um, you know, I danced hula since a very young age. Um, so how, I was just kind of like, okay, so how can I continue those two things, healthcare and hula? And so it kind of just manifested into working for a local OBGYN where I was, I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll just reapply to med school uh, and, you know, I'll become the OBGYN that I was meant to be. Um, well, when I worked for that OBGYN, it was way more GYN than OB. And so sorry for the guy listeners in here, but like, OB is, you know, like happy babies giving birth. But then I also saw a lot of, you know, tragedy. I saw miscarriages, I saw abortions, I saw infertility, and I saw a lot of the other sides that people don't talk about in OBGYN um, offices. And that led me to kind of, you know, we saw 40 patients a day, I had 15 minute lunches, and just like the rigor of that lifestyle was something that just was like, Oh, maybe I maybe I don't want to be an OBGYN. Um, so then I moved into other roles. I worked at HMSA, but really like the the time at Queens and just prior to that, I was helping the School of Medicine develop their Native Hawaiian Health um, academic department. And so it was also during a really uh, fortunate time of lots and lots of funding from the National Institute of Health on looking at health disparities, right? So why do Native Hawaiians have more health disparities than other ethnicities? 
and Hawaii was the place to do it. And Hawaii was the place that was developing the infrastructure and these organizations to be able to look at it in new ways, either academic research or clinical um, experiences. And I, was, I feel so fortunate to be able to be there at that moment where millions of dollars was coming into the state to research that. Um, and you know, since then it has morphed into different iterations, but Queens really was um, able to look at their mission and align that with having this infrastructure, this program within Queens, and it was a system-wide effort. So not just at the medical center, it was at Molokai General, it was at Queens West when they opened, and it was North Hawaii Community Hospital that allowed me to really be able to explore this new and growing area. And I, I tell you, it was just so fun. It filled my, my na'au, it filled my soul with this like, okay, I have a sense of purpose. Um, I have a sense of meaning. And the, I think the most important thing for listeners is that um, you need to have a sense of community, right? Like, so how are you gonna, if you wanna make an impact on your community, how do you do that? And how do you do that to the people that you care about the most? Um, and so that's kind of how I landed in my career path, right? Some of it is some very fortunate placements um, and others is just really um, honing into a very niche kind of field and just trying to maximize my ability and my networks to be able to do that. So, you know, it's half, you know, I, I think with all of us, it's especially with women, it's half manifesting what you want to do yeah. and half being at the right place and at the right time. And I think all of those kind of came together um, for me. And and I will say, right, I was passed up for certain things along the way or applied for jobs that I didn't get. But really, it, those were learning experiences too, right? So even if you apply for a job and don't get it, that's not the end all to, um, you know, being able to think about achieving what you want to achieve. So, I mean, I, I, I say, yeah, so it's like half, half, you know, being, being able to maximize the, the efforts that you want to happen. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry, so long-winded answer to a relatively a real simple question, but yeah, that's kind of like how, I guess my career path has led me to this moment, right? And I'll say, um, Manililo Home was um, something that was really out of the box for me. Um, I didn't have very much senior caregiving experience. Um, most of my grandparents died when I was young. I had one grandparent that uh, stayed with me all the way through uh, college and through marriage. Um, but really, like, I never grew up with grandma the way my kids have grandma. Uh, I'm calling my mom pretty much every week. Well, not so much during COVID, but before that, right? I would call my mom every week. Hey, what you doing on Friday night? Like, uh, I guess I'm watching your kids. <laughs> yeah, there's like, sorry, there's a fundraiser dinner or, you know, like there's some kind of work event or, um, you know, like I can't imagine what it was like for my mom not having her mom around. And so coming here, I get to have all these tutus. I have all, you know, all of the residents at Manilila Home, they are very much like your grandparents. They tell it like it is. Like some days I'll walk into the office and they're like, wow, Diane, you're, you're kind of tired. Yeah, you don't care what, you drink enough water. Like, yeah, uncle, thank you so much. Like, right? it's like, they see me and there's no filter. They ask me, like, oh, why, why, why what, you, what you doing today, Diane? Why are you wearing jeans? Oh, well, today we have casual Fridays. So I'm wearing jeans on Fridays. Thanks so much, uncle. I like your shirt too. Come on. So much, <laughs> and with, so there's so much wisdom in all that, right? Totally. Just, like, you know, like when you go to grandma's house, they pinch your cheeks like, oh, Diane, your face so round. I'm like, thanks, auntie. Yeah. Thank you. Diane, will that, will that, will that um, change coming up soon, right? To take over the role at HDS um, and lead that whole ship. Um, is it Congratulations, kind of by the way. I know. Thank you. Congratulations. It's, I'm Is super it stoked. I'm so yeah. exciting. But yeah, like I think the hardest, right? And with all the jobs, 
that you leave, right? It's um, you leave the job, but you don't necessarily leave the people, right? And it's yeah. that Helena and interconnectedness to me that is so important. I mean, I, I can still call up friends at Queens when I have questions, right? And, and let me tell you how um, effective and how useful that was during COVID, right? Running a nursing care home during COVID is, um, I don't know, I, I, mm. I think I would have, if I knew that going into this job, I don't know if I would have applied for this job, right? Mm. Um, but I think right, the, hard, the hardest part is leaving people. It's not just the employees, but this one is especially a little bit harder because you've had these relationships with Kupuna, like Uncle Greg, who would greet me every morning, right? Like, like hey, Diane, how you doing? Like, hi, Greg, how you doing? And, and you just have this relationship with them individually. Um, you know, and, and I will say when the Kupuna found out that I got the job and we made the announcement to all of their families and um, the extended families, um, it was that Uncle Greg who comes up to me and he goes, oh, you're leaving us, Diane. I was like, oh, no, yeah, I'm still going to be on the island. I can still come and visit. He goes, well, you know, what I really wanted to say is like, you're leaving me, huh? <laughs> and that just kind of like hit me right here in the gut. And you're just kind of like, you know what? I got to come back, right? Like, how do, how do I perpetuate this relationship with them, even though I'm not here? Because really what the kupuna have and what we've discovered over COVID is like, we are their family, right? So when we cannot have visitations, when we couldn't have, or when it was so uncertain, uh, this is pre-vaccination period, um, we basically were on lockdown because the statistics all told us that if COVID entered the nursing care home, 40% of our kupuna could be essentially gone in the matter of weeks. And so knowing that and carrying that emotional weight over 18 months, um, I will say does take its toll. So, you know, you got to find outlets and find ways to uh, release that and, and kind of like offload the burden, at least temporarily, so that you're, you build up your strength so that you can put the burden back on you in a sense. Um, but, but I think we as women, we do that for everybody, right? We, we, we carry a lot of the burden for our families. We carry a lot of the burden for our peers and coworkers. Um, right? if, if you're the one in the office making cookies for everybody, you are essentially carrying a burden and you're helping to uplift others, uh, which, I, which I totally believe is our female superpower, right? Um, uh, I'll, I'll share a little cultural story. So Haumea is, is the goddess of all things female, uh, representing Wahine in all, in all manifestations. And the, the coolest thing that I've discovered about her and learning about her through Hula is that, um, and this is what we do, and this is our superpower, this is Haumea's superpower, she brings order to chaos. So if you think about it, in all of our lives, who are the ones that the kids run to when stuff is hitting the fan, right? Like, they come to mom, right? Who do I go to when I need support, caregiving, or whatever? I run to mom or I run to my girlfriends. And it's, um, you know, it, it's the the women who are really able to, uh, and, and sorry, sorry, no disrespect to guys, but I'm here with you ladies. Um, it's the women who bring order to all of the things in the lives of um, our families, our friends, our coworkers. And to me, that is the female superpower that nothing, I mean, not only can we bring life into the world, like we are the ones who birth um, the next generations. Um, and if you think about it, we are the link between all those generations in the past and all the generations in the future. So like, what's not to love about women, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can be pretty badass. Can I say that on the podcast? Of course. Heck yeah. yeah. Yeah, Diane, um, you're actually badass um, because, you know, I mean, I got to say, you, you know, when I was growing up as a little girl, I didn't really have any uh, local female, too many local female role models with the titles that you have held, like a chief executive officer, former director, board of regents, CEO. I mean, 
those are really like ding, 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 ding. I mean, like hitting them. You're hitting them. You're just hitting all of these like high marks here. And I know titles don't mean like, you know, your whole entire life. And that's not what you should be striving for for your whole entire life and putting emphasis on it. But I think it means a lot for, you know, somebody to look up to for young women, especially in Hawaii. And um, to see you achieving that and constantly achieving that is really amazing. And I know you touched on it with your uh, answer to Brooke's first question at the beginning uh, about like, you know, having passion and finding a purpose. But, you know, in my opinion, I feel like when we first graduate or, or, or even for high schoolers, right? Like the first job is going to be like retail or, you know, something kind of lowly. But I feel like there needs to be. Well, more I had my fair share of that. Too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I wish there I was, was more of a like, I guess, you know, fostering for like higher leadership where where you are at. So I was going to just ask you for some of your advice to maybe some of our listeners and your younger listeners out there. Oh, I, I think it's just um, I've paid attention. And then, of course, like, yeah, I had my fair share of. Um, you know, not so fabulous sounding jobs. Um, in college, I worked at Taco Bell. So you can ask me anything about the $59.79.99 cent menu. Um, and I'm going to share, I'll, I'll disclose this. this is a fun side story. So when I worked at, it was at UCLA, I worked at uh, this food concession stand and it eventually turned into Taco Bell by the time I graduated. We used to wrap you know, like make, we used to basically make custom burritos and wrap it in the bean burrito, which was 59 cents. I kid you not. And then if you're a student, they don't charge tax. So literally you could pay for this custom made um, burrito for 59 cents and, and, you know, pay a dollar and get the you know, change back. And I just think back to, you know, anyone who like Steph, you just, named all these titles and I'm just like, that's so funny because I can still remember me being the cashier at Taco Bell <laughs> on campus. And then another not so glamorous job, which was really fun. Um, I worked at Ann Taylor um, in Kalamal uh, nights. And I, I would just say as glamorous as that sounds like, ooh, clothes. And you know, I, I basically paid Ann Taylor to let me come at night and fold clothes because all my money went back to the to the store. But at the, I tell you, at the end of the night, my feet were so dang sore from wearing, you know, you had to wear nice shoes, you can't hard wear slippers, right? And the hardwood floors, I, I, it's catching up with me now, like my knees, my feet, um, but I can still dance. So that's the main thing. So the, the I guess the advice that I would give to um, you know, the, the younger listeners out there is like, just learn from the people around you. I paid attention. And as much as I thought I knew better than them at the time, I remember also being a very young 23 year old HMSA health educator. I was teaching people about fitness, nutrition and stress management and other health, uh, other aspects of health. But most of my most of the people in my class were retired HMSA members, right? Because they're the ones who at the time for these 12 week classes. Um, and I remember thinking, shouldn't it be the other way around? Shouldn't I have like these retirees who have lived their life and have all these stories? Why am I teaching them about joy and happiness? Like they're the ones that should be teaching me about joy and happiness. So it's really about patience and learning from them. And even though I knew, I don't know, I, I think in my 20s, I had this desire to just explore and learn all that I could about the healthcare industry. Because in, in you know, I guess getting rejected from med school was like the free pass to not have to be a doctor in a sense. And so learning from some of what you think are the most devastating lessons is 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 pretty phenomenal and you know like so not getting into med school was one of those moments and i'll share another moment brooke uh brooke and i you know kind of chatted over this a little bit the the next you know kind of kick in the ass in my life was at 40 
um, getting the diagnosis of breast cancer. And so, you know, like my grandmother had died of breast cancer. My auntie had breast cancer. I, you know, I work in healthcare. I, I knew the odds of Native Hawaiian women and the rates of breast cancer. But when it happened to me, I was just like paralyzed, right? Like, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I work in this field. I, at, I, at Queens, I funded the BCCC program, the Breast Cancer Control Project. Um, you know, I work with oncologists all the time. Oh my God, now I'm on the other side, I'm a patient. And that really had me, um, at the time, I had my kids were three, six, and nine. Um, and you know, you, you, your first inkling about cancer is like, oh my God, death sentence. Uh, you know, and, or the next thought is like, oh my God, I'm gonna lose all my hair with chemotherapy, right? Um, but I will say the early detection definitely saves lives. It was, it was super early. Um, I found, I, I did my breast self-exams regularly. So all women out there, check your tatas. Uh, actually, no, <laughs> October is um, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, I would do it religiously because I knew my family history. And I remember it was in a hotel room. I was on a trip in DC for a work conference. Um, it was in the, the shower of the hotel. And I was like, wait, that wasn't there last month. What is this? And so, and I used to teach this uh, uh, in, in my health classes. It's like finding a raisin in oatmeal, right? So you, you know, oatmeal is already kind of lumpy, right? But, but if you find the raisin in the oatmeal, oatmeal, you know that it's definitely something different from the oatmeal consistency, right? So I found the raisin in the oatmeal, my left side, and I was like, huh. But because I acted on it so quickly, um, so really, from the time I found that lump in DC, flew home, called my doctor, had a mammogram, had an ultrasound and a biopsy, I was diagnosed within like nine days. Wow. So I did not wait. And my doctor did tell me, he goes, Diane, you're, you're kind of an anomaly. <laughs> Usually people wait three months before they come to actually see me. But because you came, right, it was so small. Um, I elected for a bilateral mastectomy um, and I got upgraded. So I can say like, I get implants, you can't like upgrade, right? At 40, okay, sure. Yeah, girl. I, I'm looking at it, um, you know, every cloud there's a silver lining. And that even though I only felt the lump on the left side, there are three spots on the left side that were picked up in pathology and that there were cellular changes on the right side that were already happening. So if I had just opted to have a lumpectomy, you know, I probably would have been going in every year, every six months. Um, if I had opted not to do anything on the right side, who knows what would have happened on the right side. Um, so, you know, those two moments are, are, you know, they're the most devastating probably moments of my life. But I will say, right, uh, it makes you stronger. And it, it gave me the kick in the butt to kind of say, hey, you know what? There's nothing like mortality to let you know, like, if it's knocking on your door, what are you going to do? How are you going to make an impact? Uh, you know, if you really want to take that trip to Europe, go and take that trip to Europe. Although COVID came and boarded that for us. Um, you know, let your kids have the ice cream for breakfast. <laughs> um, you know, uh, some of the other things, uh, that I think really have elevated my ability to do all these things is one, having a good husband, and he's one of my biggest champions. Yes, he drives me crazy. Jace, I love you, but yeah, like, come on. You know, I won't even go into details because he'll kill me um, for saying stuff like that on air for the record. Um, and really, he's been my biggest champion. And just looking at my daughters growing up, and having the wherewithal to have them grow up knowing that they can achieve anything that they want to be is really important to me, um, which is what I what, which is what I hope for all the listeners out there that they have the ability to know that they have it within themselves to be able to accomplish these things. I, yes, 
I did not accomplish these things by myself, even though it may look like that on paper, right? There's a whole team, there's a whole ohana, there's peers, there's family members um, who, who support me along the way. And if I didn't have that support, there's no way I could have accomplished that. So, um, you know, and and someone once told me, right, the, the, the successes are team-based, the failures are individual, right? And and as a good leader, you do that, right? If if the if you're successful, it's because the team got you to that point. Um, but if you know if there's something at fault, like you take responsibility for that. And so I think I've carried those messages throughout all of my work and um, right and and kind of like yeah, just having these titles is amazing. Um, what's really important is the the work experience that you um, yield, right? And so um, if you can demonstrate the work, then you become the expert. And so, sorry, there's an olelo no eao that hangs up in my office. Ike ia no ike kawahu. So the, the expert is recognized by the altar that he builds, right? So to me, yes, the the, the altar that I've built is this resume and these titles, but really I, I would have nothing if I didn't build that with the support of the people around me. So, you know, to me, having, you know, having the titles is one thing, but actually demonstrating the work and showing the impact to the people that matter to me most is how I define my success. Yeah. And apparently you are making a big impact because you just keep on going further and further in your career. So people have noticed and are feeling your positive impact along the way. And I Does that to mean I get closer you, to retirement? Like the oh, I hope you do. Right? I, I, yeah, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> but I'm sure the community yeah. loves what you're doing and would want to keep you around for a very long time. <laughs> um, you know, I wanted to ask you this question because um, I, I, I saw this in a little note that you shared with Brooke about your children and their education. Um, you know, all three of them uh, go to DOE schools. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah, and then you uh, graduated from Kamehameha and, um, you know, you're so successful. And I guess as parents, you know, Noli, Brooke, and I and uh, our listeners, we probably want to know why you and your husband made that decision to send your children totally, to DOE yes. schools versus so, private. So I will say, right, it was, in the beginning, it was kind of like Kamehameha or bust. Um, my husband went to public school in Oregon. He grew up in Oregon, but his father went to Damien. And um, we always, and of course, we're in a really, we're in an excellent um, school district. But what I found is that when my kids started at Aina Haina, uh, and you know, went to New Valley and then um, Kaiser. So we have one at, at each of the schools. Right? So we have Kaiser, New Valley, Aina Haina. I, I want to say, right, and I mean, I'm, I was Kamehameha from kindergarten to 12th grade. So I'm a lifer. Um, what I found in the DOE system was a really, really strong community network that I did not have, right? So because I left my valley. So I live in the house that I grew up in. So I grew up in Aina Haina. And actually, my district would have been Wailupe Valley, but they closed that school and consolidated Aina Haina. Um, but Wailupe, ironically, Wailupe Valley closed the year that my daughter entered kindergarten. So I had to put her in Aina Haina. I knew nothing about it. But what I found was like, my kids have such a better sense of the community and the valley and the space that they live in. Whereas I went out of the valley every day. So and it was a tremendous, I love Kamehameha, I love my time there. Kamehameha was my community, right? But my kids can walk down any street and they know the kids on all the streets. We go to Fulan, they know everybody in the store and they're saying hi to the parents. And you know, I'm like, how do you know that kid's parents? Like, oh, mom that parent picks their kids up on time. So that's how I know them. I'm like, ooh, okay, walk right into that one. Um, and really like having the sense of kids that go to your school 
playing with them in your neighborhood. I, I didn't really have that experience. And I love, love, love that my kids can grow up and go to school in the community and know their neighbors in a way that I was only discovering as an adult. And to me, that is the true value of our DOE system. I'm so impressed with the programming. Of course, I mean, Aina Haina, they have Japanese as a graded um, class. So my, my senior at Kaiser has had Japanese, mind you, she, you're, we put them in immersion at, for preschool. So they're Hawaiian speaking when they entered um, the DOE system. And now they can also converse in Japanese because they've had this consistent language program. And uh, it was just wild for me to think about like, wait, you know people in your neighborhood? Like my best friend was in Kailua and Pearl City, so I never saw them over the summers, right? So. To me, that is the most tremendous thing about the DOE. So I am a hardcore DOE supporter. Um, and really the, the programs, the sports, and just the nurturing that we've experienced as a family has been tremendous, right? And of, of course, I'm always kind of like, okay, if, if, if you guys get into Kamehameha, you guys, you know you're going to Kamehameha, right? Yes, mom, you know. And they've always been waitlisted because we're a district, but you know, I, I can't say enough about having that, you know, it's what that kaka'ako uh, model was. I live, work, and play. And so my kids live, go to school, and play with the same neighborhood kids and the same people, which I didn't have that growing up. Um, you know. And so to me, them knowing where they come from and their aina and where they're from and who they interact with, and other kids also knowing that is probably, I'd say, well, I don't want to say it's more valuable than other schools, but it really just drove home to me about how lucky we are to live in Hawaii, right? And every school has a unique aspect that highlights their districts and the different moku and the different ahubua'a. So, I mean, like, I, I don't think you can get that experience on the mainland, right? It, it's really unique to our Hawaii DOE system. So I just have to apply the DOE system. I will say it was, it was really hard for my kids to go back to school after distance learning from home, because I will say my kids loved distance learning. I know some kids, not all kids thrive in that environment, but my kids loved waking up at 7.57, I kid you not, Rolling, rolling out of bed and clicking the computer. Um, and I, I also say they were at the age where they could self, uh, you know, log in to Zoom by themselves. Um, my sister, my sister, fortunately or unfortunately, had younger kids. So her daughter entered kindergarten the year that everything mm. was distance learning. <clears throat> and I, 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 I don't even know how I would have approached that having a kindergartner uh, start school yeah. through an iPad. I don't, I don't even yeah, think I could do that. <laughs> that's tough. I, yeah. Diane, I have to tell you, because um, I'm usually one of the few or the only public school person in the room, including this room right here, our virtual room. <laughs> so I'll say thank you for that perspective because it's, <laughs> when I think about my high school friends, everyone lived within 10, five, 10 minutes. And I, I never know. thought of it like that, like to be grateful for that perspective. So. Um, and we're, we're luckily we're all still friends, you know, now. So shout out to my Pro City girls Yay. and friends. But um, that's a super cool perspective. I've never been appreciative of my, I wanted to ask you to just um, quickly more, just to, how do you, because I look at what you're doing, I know you and I see you and I know Jason and your, and your family is this awesome family also. But how do you, how do you do that? Like, how do you balance it one and then, are there any hard moments? Because I feel like you're very graceful uh, in how you, yes. how you grace with yourself. When, yeah, because like the job human. is stressful too. Yeah, it's a stressful, a lot of stressful jobs and just showing up and taking your place at the table as a female, sometimes the first, right? A lot of times the only maybe female in the room. How do you do that and then be mom, still have the ambition, be a wife? And what's, like, how do you, how does that even I'm, I'm laughing. Jason probably won't listen to this, so I'm just saying. Jason sees the other side. 
Well, we'll tell him it's about the, we talked about the cowboys and then maybe he'll listen. But, um, but how do you do it? Uh, jokingly, coffee? I don't know. Um, I, I think it's just being able, and, and really I didn't learn this until getting that cancer diagnosis, right? Mm -hmm. Is knowing how to prioritize. I, cancer taught me how to say no to certain things. Mm -hmm. And it really taught me to know my boundaries and my limits. When I, when I reach a limit and no can, I just say no can, right? And, and you've got to let it go and move on. And that's taught me how to be present for certain things and, you know, just to be in the moment when I'm at hula, I'm at hula. Um, when I'm with my family, I'm with my family. And I, I will say, right, when, when my girls are now like teenagers and preteen, so really I'm not as cool as I was before, but it allows me to do other things, like, you know, to, to spend the evening on a board or to, to spend the evening writing or doing something else or reading. Um, but just, I, I, don't, I don't know how I do it other than I pick and choose the things that that bring me joy or that are meaningful to me. Then it's not necessarily like a chore, right? The 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 boards that I serve on, um, the work that I do, the extracurricular activities I choose are the things that I want to choose, and that um, it doesn't make it seem so hard. Yeah, there there's hard moments. There, I mean. They're not playing basketball now, but having they, at one at one moment, right? They're on three different teams. Uh, Tatum was playing for school and a league, so basically that's kind of like four teams. I don't know. You just divide and conquer. I'm like, okay, I got this girl, this girl, drop off, pick up. You got that girl, drop off, but I'll pick up, and then you can go and get dinner or whatever, and you just gotta take it day by day and COVID I will say because COVID shut down for you know there's a lot of unfortunate things that COVID did but it really quieted that 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 sense of gotta do it all and so this is a story that my my kids told me and and it puts things in perspective because you know I was like in the middle of COVID so maybe around like June or July and I remember talking to them because we're, by that time, we're all at home, like, all the time. And I looked at my oldest, I was like, like, don't you miss going out to eat? Like, what are you, like, there, don't you, don't you miss, like, going out with your friends? And then she goes, mom, our lives, we were doing something every weekend. If it wasn't a party, it was a fundraiser. If it wasn't a fundraiser, it was, you know, having to do this and running off to go to this birthday party or to meet grandma and to do that right? like and i realized that that moment or, or practices right practice every week and then games on the weekend and i realized that you know we're, we're running them pretty hard and covid allowed them to just kind of like wake up late on a weekend instead of get up at seven in the morning to make spamosubi and get out the door and make sure there's ice in the cooler and all that stuff. Press the pause so, button, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and I, you know, so for me, like, yeah, I'm kind of all over the place, right? So like, I miss that. You got to do this, go here, do that every weekend, event, event, event. And to, to my kids, they're like, this is great. Mom doesn't have to do anything. We're not rushing. We don't have to get dropped off at grandma's and right like you yeah. can just chill um maybe they chilled too much i mean like my daughter watched all of friends so she, she starts talking she's <laughs> yeah, she's she's so excited for the friends reunion um my youngest daughter got into anime i'm like how did you find anime right we're not an anime family she's like oh youtube you know youtube tiktok um but yeah, it did. It did put a pause. It quieted our, I guess. Our, I guess we had a frantic lifestyle before, um, and allowed us to kind of slow down a little bit. I can. I can feel right with the reopening and the lifting of these things. I can feel that frantic lifestyle slowly 
creeping back in, but I think I'm much a better manager at saying, okay, no, we are not going to this event. It's not, it's not so bad if we miss so-and-so's birthday party. Yeah. Um, we don't, I, I, I remember feeling like we had to do everything every weekend, everything, say yes to it all. Um, and, and really, no, we don't have to do it all. We don't want to do it all. We don't need to do it all. So it, it's focused on, okay, what are the things that are important? Yeah. I think that, I think all of us felt, all of us and all our listeners, I'm sure felt that too. Yeah. Totally. No, Noli, did you have a question for Diane? No, so it sounds like, I, mean, I just want to know, like, what do you do for fun? You know, you have your busy mom, busy at work, you got a lot of kids. Oh, my uh, family life. What do you like to do to doubt on your downtime? Uh, downtime, I love going to the spa. That sounds really <laughs> self-centered. <laughs> That's the dream, no. Spa, beach, and hula, I'd say. Right? Hula is the recharge for me. Beach is the cleansing, right? Like letting go, you know, the, the pikai, the salt water element of it. <clears throat> and then just a spa because like it's alone time. <laughs> and it's a spa. And, yeah. And it <laughs> smells good. You feel good. It takes away some of the age spots maybe. I don't know. Oh, Except the spots are closed during COVID. Oh, I know. Yeah. That's actually what oh, I want to no. say. Yeah. So, so I've we've done a lot of massage chair. Yeah, we've done a lot of like home facials mm -hmm. because because I have girls. So so the funny thing is I have three girls, right? Like I was like, sweet, I have my own halal, like hula dancers. I know how to do their hair. I got their costumes. Like <laughs> none of them dance hula. They all play basketball. Uh, yeah, and it, uh, kind of like the going, the unofficial rule in our house was, okay, if you're not playing a sport, sorry, you're going to dance hula. So what do they do? Sign up for volleyball, sign up for <laughs> basketball. Hey, mom, can you think I'm, I could try softball? But when went into tennis, and I'm just like, can somebody please dance hula with me? Like, I remember you saying that. And you know what, though? There's a funny picture we should share that of um, a Halloween costume that Diane had. And oh her, her opu was a basketball. They painted it. Oh, and then no. Jason is like, I totally remember that. That, 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 was, that was prophetic. Yes. So that was a, <laughs> it was totally. It was, it was my middle child, right? So like second kid, you're like, sure, whatever. I'm over this pregnancy. I was like, not eight months pregnant. Halloween. My daughter is born. Yeah, she was born in December. Mm -hmm. It was huge, right? Second pregnancy, like, you didn't, I didn't really monitor my And he goes, if I be Rashid Wallace, can you be the basketball? I'm like, what do you mean, can Jeez. I be the basketball? <laughs> so yeah, I painted my pregnant stomach and we went to a Halloween party and my oldest daughter was a cheerleader and she probably thought we were crazy, but it was, yeah, I will say that is my favorite, one of my favorite Halloween costumes. Yeah, we need to share that. We need to share that with our listeners <laughs> yeah. when, we, when, we, when this episode comes out. But yes. puts it on his face. So one more thing that like we'd like you to share time. is if you have an inspirational quote for our listeners. Yeah, so I mean, uh, the, the one that I always go to, I, I think I mentioned it earlier in the podcast, is that Olelo no Eao, it's that Ikea no Ikeloea Ikekuahu, right? So the expert is recognized by the altar that they build, right? So mm. you, you build what you can, and that is the demonstration of what you can achieve and your achievements. Um, so that is the, you know, hopefully it's inspiring to the listeners about um, what you build, right? And, and I'm not just talking about the, not building the resume, right? Like building the experiences, building the internal growth Character. that then gets exuded mm -hmm. or displayed um, in the work that you do, in the relationships that you have, um, yeah, in your in your connection to Hawaii, right? So I always kind of also try and place on the youth um, and the people, of the you know. Uh, the young 
the young ones, you know, like what, what's going to be your legacy to mm. um, your family, to your community and to the world? Because I was, I was definitely brought up and, and working in a lot of Aliki trusts, right? Is they've left this legacy for us, right? So what are you going to leave for those who come after us, right? Well, what is your legacy going to be? What is your gift? to this Aina um, that will, you know, be felt generations uh, to come. Love it. I think that was our first um, inspirational quote in Native Hawaiian. Mm -hmm. I think it was. And and, and like almost approaching, I mean, a lot of of episodes. But thank you, Diane. I just want to say thank you so much for making the time with your, I know you're this busy lady yeah mom boss um fun. and i have to tell you that you always i always think about you um and look look i get inspiration from you just because of that purpose driven life that you're creating for yourself and for your family and for your girls so thank you so much for spending the time with us today you're welcome thank and you thank for you having for, me yeah, thanks for all that you do in the community too and and um that's really important to see and to look up to for for us and for our listeners out there so mahalo. yeah thank you so much diane you know in talking with you i feel and i can sense that you have this passion for learning and learning more and continuous learning and i i like that because i can tell that no matter what even if some people have an opinion like ah this is not interesting you, you will still make time to learn it and, and i think because of that that attitude and, and what you bring i think that is why so many doors have opened for you. And yeah. I, I see and I feel, not like I'm trying to be a fortune teller right now, but <laughs> like I, I get a sense that, you know, this is still, you're still on this journey and you're you're not at the end of what, what you will achieve after your next achievement, which is really great too. I mean, mm-hmm. the CEO of HDS, mm-hmm. that that's really awesome. But thanks so much, Diane, for yeah. you know showering your words of wisdom, your inspiration on all of us. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners and, and us here tonight can take away a lot of advice, uh, what you just shared with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Hello. I know. And you know what? I was going to like, say that because this is October, it almost kind of, kind of sounds scary because I could hear some howling behind you and earlier really? you I guys heard were talking that, about you know. some, yeah, I, I know, I was kind of like, oh, hey, what's going on over there? But you know, we'll, we'll save that for another yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's my cupola yeah. coming to tell me like, right. hey, go home already. No? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, there yeah, you yeah. go. Yeah, staying late, at, too much staying yeah. late at the office. Well, we appreciate you spending time with us and giving up of your time. Thank you so much. Hello. Thank you. And everybody stay with us for another episode of Mothership next week. Until then, stay safe, everybody. Aloha. Aloha. Take care. Thanks, Diane. Bye, Diane. Thank you. Take care. Yes, we're going to break up and die.